Welcome back to the Arts Across NC podcast. I'm Zoe Van Buren, Folk Life Director with the North Carolina Arts Council. We're excited to be reviving this podcast series as a way to share the stories of artists and arts organizations around the state and to highlight the work we're doing here at the Arts Council. Today we go west to the Kuala Boundary, the land of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, where Luther Butch Goings and Lydia Louise Goings share a life of dedication to craft and culture. Butch was a student of the renowned carver Amanda Crow, who received the North Carolina Heritage Award in the year 2000. Louise was taught by her mother, the white oak basket maker Emma Taylor, who was among the first to receive the award in 1989. Today, the couple are known for their mastery and teaching of Cherokee carving and basket making traditions, and for their steady, humble commitment to service in their community. Down Goose Creek all my life. I was born in February of the year 47. My name is Butch Goins. I was born in the hospital at Cherokee, just like Louise there. I've lived here in Birdtown after we got married. Everybody says, well, the men always moved with the women, so that's where I followed her. <laughs> Could you share a little bit about your family background? I don't remember if I, if my life started out here where we're living now. This used to be my grandmother's land. My dad's people lived on the other side of the river. Eventually, my mom gave me this property here. So we lived here for many, many years. Just this house being the only house in this little valley. See, well, my mother was great basket maker. I said, so start making baskets and everything. I said, I'm going to tie it to your apron strings and I'm going to follow wherever you go. (laughs) (laughs) When I was about eight or nine years old, then I began to learn how to work with baskets from scraps that she had left over. So I made uh, little bread baskets and I made those because I wanted to buy my own RC Cola and Moon Pie at Jinkage Grocery. <laughs> so that's why it inspired me to make baskets uh, is to have your own money. Yeah. So during that time, my mom made baskets and she won quite, quite a few ribbons at the local fair. And then when she... Uh, began working at the Indian village after my dad died in 73. Then her baskets got more noticed. So she got to go a lot of different places just like we do and demonstrate. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like Butch says, he was tied to my apron strings. <laughs> I was tied to hers because she took me just about everywhere that, that, that she went. So I got a lot of exposure that way along with her. Right. And uh, I only made oak baskets for a long time, but she, oak was her favorite, but she could make river cane baskets and mm-hmm. uh, rib baskets and maple baskets. So she knew all that. And I didn't learn that till later in life, how to make the river cane baskets and stuff. So then she made baskets until she died yeah. in 2002. So her last baskets, I think she made in the year of uh, the month of October. Mm -hmm. And then in December, 
she passed away. Mm-hmm. That's incredible to have the strength and the dexterity yeah. and all of that all the way to the end. Yeah, she just went and cleaned her house and, yes. and cooked. Yeah. Yeah. She taught families a lot of stuff that uh, how to get out and find the white oak tree river came and all the different dyes and everything she was always saying well go here go there and you'll find this so we'd go sworn out there be so we took her lot of on a lot of outings and hunting the material to make her baskets and even to collect the wild greens that were edible in the spring so that's how we learned all those too. So then for you, how where did you learn to carve? Where did your carving well, come into your life? My father, he used to teach me how to make little whistles. Be fishing and he'd sit me down and he'd say, don't get cut, but you can use my knife and make you a whistle. So, well, I'd sit and wait until he got through fishing and everything. He'd say, how many whistles you got? I said, I got two. You should have had four. <laughs> <laughs> so the next time I'd have four. Said, you should have had five or six. <laughs> but uh, I, I just peeled around with uh, this pocket knife like that. Then after I got in high school, the Historical Association hired Miss Manda Crow as a wood carving mm-hmm. teacher. So all my friends was signing up for wood carving. So my good friend Virgil Ledford, he says, uh, Butch says, let's take wood carving. I said, I said, I don't know much about wood carving. He said, well, we'll learn. I said, okay. So we took wood carving, and we liked it. We'd sit and we'd carve a half a day. Wouldn't even go to class. So they got to <laughs> coming in to Amanda's uh, carving class, running us out. You guys get to school, get to class. So we'd go to class for about two or three days, and then. We'd ease off, ease off, so then we'd go back to the wood carving class and stay half a day because she was always talking, telling how things was going when her, she went to school at Charity. Then she got her, she'd say, you guys are old enough to run that bandsaw, so you guys cook. I said, we got some young people that's coming to class so, well, we started sawing stuff out for them then. And she'd say, I know you guys are wanting to hide out. So go downstairs. I said, because here comes some teachers now. So we'd go downstairs and hide. <laughs> it was just the idea of learning how to carve and everything that we, we loved to sit back and talk and then listen to her stories and all that and everything. 
I know. Uh, it's like it's... coming full circle with, it really with, with, with your mentor in it. Yeah. I don't think you ever really feel like you're done no. learning yeah. or improving. Or... Since I joined the co-op, me and Virgil, we joined the co-op back in, I would say, either 58 or 59, somewhere along in there. And, and the first thing Miss Betty Dupree asked me, said, would you want to be on the board? I said, what are, the, what are they supposed to do? And she said, help out, help the younger people. And if we ask you this or that, could you help out? So the first two years, I was just on the board and I finally caught on what was going on and everything. So the second year, I got nominated again. I said, oh, I don't think I want to. It just takes up a lot of your time. And first thing I know, they nominated me for president. And He's still the president. I'm still, I'm still the president. Oh, you still are now? Yes. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear about sort of your process of sourcing materials and finding both the oak for, for you and for carving. I mean, are, are you sourcing your wood or, or stone from particular trees or sources as well? Or Well, some of the butternut now, that's what I like to carve, mm -hmm. but uh, the black walnut, I'll carve it because I, I think it makes some pretty carvings mm. and where it's a real hard wood, you can get better detail to it and everything. Also the wild cherry now, that makes some pretty carvings. And some, I found out that cedar mm. does some real nice carvings also. But uh, I used to used to tell the kids when we'd go out and everything, I said, well, she takes the bark off the black walnut. I said, when she takes that bark off, I said, that kills a tree. So I'll cut the tree and season it out, and I'll use it for carving them. When I, when I was growing up now, there was no boundaries to people's properties. So when I lived on Goose Creek and we'd go basket, in the woods for the oak, you could go on your neighbor's land and cut whatever you needed and no one said anything. Right. And then, I don't know what years, it, I guess it may be to establish property lines mm -hmm. and then people didn't want you on their land. Why has it been important to you to, to know the whole process? I mean, just like it is now. Yeah. You can't buy it from a seller, so you have to know how to make it yourself. In, in your sort of way of looking at it, what is the importance of making sure that young people are having that experience? Uh, to me, it's, a, it's good for them to have the uh, experience because a lot of them come from homes that they don't see that. So they're if they don't see that part of their culture, they don't know about it. So that's 
that's my good that I see you that's brought to the kids that go to culture summer school. Yeah. They get to see things of their culture that they wouldn't see if they never came to your class. In that culture class, how many, I mean, this might be impossible to even guess, but how many young people do you think you taught over the years coming through that summer class? Well, in my class, uh, I'll make 50 kids to supply the students to my class. And yeah. maybe, maybe we might have <clears throat> three or four kids left over, so I'll probably uh, teaching 30, 46 kids or 35 kids per summer over 20 years. <laughs> In my class, I think we have anywhere from 8 to 12 students in a class, and that's two classes a day. When you think about that many young people having the chance to have that experience, does it make you feel like for the future things are hopeful or I think I'll have have a few students out, out in the community that that make baskets now. That's how we native people lived a long time ago. I said neighbors took care of neighbors. I said so everybody has to help each other. I said because everybody's gotta have something finished at the end of the class. When you talk about that value of helping helping people and helping neighbors, that was something that was really expressed in the nomination for each of you, that the, a feeling that people have felt so helped by you. I try to start mine with, with my basket classes. I said, you have to help each other. I said, I said you have to depend on each other. I said, because if I get busy, who's going to help you? So your neighbor has to help you. I said, we should be like that always. That was Butch and Louise Goings of Cherokee, North Carolina. The Heritage Awards are returning for the first time since before the pandemic. This year's recipients are White Oak basket maker Neil Thomas, musician and teacher Rhonda Gouge, Cherokee artisans Butch and Louise Goings, old-time fiddler Richard Bowman, and muralist and painter Cornelio Campos. We'll be hosting an award ceremony on May 31st at the A.J. Fletcher Opera Theater in downtown Raleigh. Head over to pinecone.org or click the link in the episode description to get your tickets. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Arts Across NC. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.